You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, this is Josie again, flying solo kind of on this episode because Spencer's still taking care of that cutie little boo-boo. Only today we have two special guests. The first special guest, uh, crowd favorite, um, which makes me mad, but whatever, is my partner Ryan. He is here to help me (laughs) co-host. It's great to be back. Great to be back. I'm glad that I can be here again and really rile you up. (laughs) Yes, he does rile me up. Um, today, Ryan is helping me out because we are talking to a returning guest, and I'm about to out him. Um, Matt Young, the author of Jesus Wept, is back <laughs> because today we're talking about Mormons, and <laughs> Matt is an ex-Mormon. <laughs> you are entirely too excited about this. Yes. <laughs> I... I had one boyfriend in high school who was Mormon, which was funny, and so, like, not why I was into him. Um, He was a really good trumpet player, and I was in marching band, so that's why I was into him. Um, He was cute, too, or whatever, but... And then I married Ryan, I was like, is this, like, a theme in my life? Like, Mormon boys? Yeah, but I won't watch you get hit by a car and drive away. That's true. (laughs) My my boyfriend in high school did, too. What a great boyfriend. Well, it's because he was in the car with his mother and he was 15. So he wasn't allowed to be dating yet, let alone somebody who wasn't a little Mormon girl, you know? He tried to be too cautious and couldn't just say, oh, hey, she got hit by a car. We should stop. And his mom knew me. Like, yeah, exactly. we were Facebook friends. Oh, man. Lots of reasonable explanations. It was fine. But that's what the anxiety does to you. <laughs> but we're here to talk to two nice little Mormon boy, ex-Mormon boys, that is, about lots of things. But first on the docket, um, Matt, I would ask you for your life story, but you already told it in the last episode. So I feel like if people wanted to hear it, they could just listen back to that one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing that might be useful for uh, yes. this episode, I mean, people might not care about my life story so for everybody who doesn't want to and doesn't want to listen to that episode that's fine you're not gonna hurt my feelings um but you should anyway <laughs> it's a great pro- podcast and you should help out uh Josie and Spence. but but anyway um i am i am professionally i'm an economist now that's what i yeah. do for a living so my brain works like an economist's brain mm-hmm. and so what i do especially when i discuss things like you know like Mormonism or like religion, um, you're not going to hear very much of what I actually believe, what my opinion actually is. Um, in, in my view, you know, the world, we, the death of nuance is like the worst thing that's happened to Mm. the world in the last 20 years. Mm. Everybody wants to push things into being black or being white, and it's just never that way. And so, you know, I think that we ought to be able to discuss what shade of gray something is rather than fight with each other about whether it's black or white. And so uh, my my economist brain, the way that it will work is I will I will almost never. I mean, I think only once in the last podcast, I actually said this is what I think. Um, But instead, what I what I like to do is try to. Um, explore from all different angles what color of gray we're talking about. Not and and mm. you know I I don't necessarily say what it is that I believe. So um, I, I'm you know 
I also love controversial things. I'm sure I'll say some controversial things this podcast. Uh, so be be prepared, buckle up. Um, but but yeah, it's not necessarily that that's the thing that I believe. I just think these things are worth talking about. I agree. Um, let's start controversial. Boys, <laughs> um, men, young men, young men. <laughs> tell in like a few words, a few sentences, a little paragraph. Tell the people why each of you individually decided not to be Mormon anymore. Yeah. I, mean, I don't mind going first. So, yeah. um, the, the, the big issue for me is, is not whether or not all of the Mormon claims are even correct. Um, the, the big issue for me is that the, the Mormon church as it exists, and we also need to be careful here because um, when I say Mormon church, what I'm really referring to is like the Salt Lake City-based church. Mm. Uh, there are, depending on how careful you're counting, there are like between 15 and 200 churches that like believe in Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon and are not the Salt Lake City-based church. Just the Salt Lake City-based church is the largest one. Um but, uh, the, the changes between whatever church Joseph Smith started and the Salt Lake city based church now are so extreme that even if someone is willing to accept that, uh, everything Joseph Smith said was true, it does not necessarily also follow as true that the Salt Lake city church is the same or the same structure and organization that Joseph Smith set up. Um, and in fact, there are, I mean, we could get into a whole history debating <laughs> that's the case. Um, but, but that's, there are, there are several dozen churches that make the claim as, as being the true Joseph Smith church. Mm. Oh yeah. And there's a lot of great history. I mean, there people take it so many different ways because things were really, uh, progressive early on in a lot of ways that people wouldn't expect. All right, but we're going to get into that later. I want to hear, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm really snippy with Ryan. This is just the nature of our relationship. Mm. So, um, tell it's, him it's why you witty laugh. banter. Yes. Yes. He did. He's, I'm being, he's fine with it. Okay. It's, he married me. He's fine. Okay. Don't come to his consent, defense. He's fine. Consent given can confirm. Yeah. <laughs> So getting back to the topic, um, basically my big reasons for leaving were more based around um, a lot of that truth claims um, and absolutism. So, I mean, if you're going to claim, you know, everything, you know, the truth, and then, you know, you start pointing out things and it's like, okay, well, what about this? What about this? And it's not sitting well. Some of the claims are, you know, a little bit dubious at best. And so, you know, that really just didn't sit well with me. Um, and so, yeah, it just didn't resonate as well. But also I was, you know, raised in it. So thankfully I was able to kind of make that decision when I was younger and, you know, kind of be like, okay, is this for me? Is this what I believe in? Yeah, you left. So Ryan actually never went on a mission. You left. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were kind of out in your head in high school, right? Oh, Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard yeah. to compare necessarily, but Matt, when did you leave? I was, I don't know. I was early twenties, uh, 22, 23, something like that. I, post so mission. I, post mission. Yeah. Went on a mission. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was a riot, played lots of rugby. <laughs> Where'd you go? 
Australia. What the frick? Uh, That's so cushy. <laughs> it it was it, it yeah it Did was wild. No no I was English okay. speaking. Um, <laughs> wow. So yeah, cushy. Uh, I love it. Yep. Yeah. But so in my, I was, I was a super rebellious child, um, avoided church as much as possible. I, I grew up in Kentucky. So basketball was the mandatory religion. And <laughs> I, I went to that church all the time. Uh, but I, you know, I was, how old was I? I was like 17 or 18 when I had like my come to Jesus moment. And I was like, sure. Yeah, I guess this is right. I'm going to give this a try. And you know, five, five ish, years later i was like mm, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah but i mean when, when you're that age it's really i mean you have to have a come to jesus moment in some way because you either have to start planning okay am i gonna be compliant and go on a mission or am i gonna start going against the grain and that can be a really big defining moment even if you believe and you just don't want to like go on a mission i mean it's two years it's a huge commitment and People... a lot of you got to pay for it it's a lot of money i still can't get over the fact that they make you fucking pay for it that's so <laughs> annoying to me <laughs> Especially given the church has at a, least a lot hundred billion dollars yeah. sitting in an investment fund, and I mean, I'm an economist, and if they that was that was pre-pandemic, given the 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 like asset returns have been enormous mm-hmm. over the last two years. If they have less than two hundred billion dollars now, I'd be surprised. I mean, they've got all sorts of cash lying around. Yeah, because it's not like your parents stop tithing because they're paying for your mission, right? Either it's not like it counts as your tithing, right? Well, no, stocks blew up too, and that hundred billion figure is mostly in stocks. If you know, you know more about than that, but it's not. It doesn't include assets and other things. From what Correct. I heard. Yeah. Yeah, correct. It's only liquid assets. It's not in any any real estate or any, you know, I mean, right. the, the, church, exactly. the, church, the church has several, the, I guess, I, 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 keep, I need to keep saying, I need to make sure to specifically say the Salt Lake City based church so that mm-hmm. other, uh, other like Joseph Smith movement type churches uh, don't get offended. But the so, Salt <laughs> Lake City based church, <laughs> they, so the, Salt, the Salt Lake City based church has um, all sorts of, they, I mean, I shouldn't say all sorts of, they have several. Um, a dozen or so, I think for profit businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the big things that, you know, I mean, if the members of the church are, uh, perfectly fine with having all uh, a huge chunk of their tithing money, just put into investment fund to be used for who knows what, um, that, you know, whatever that's, that's their money. Uh, if they're happy to let the church do that, that's fine. But, uh, as an economist, where my concern is that the person who blew the whistle on that investment fund, pointed out some illegal behavior or potentially illegal behavior. Um, one of those things was that the church used that money, which is not for profit. The church is a 501 C three registered nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And they used some of that money to bail out some of their for-profit businesses when they were struggling during economic, tough economic times. And that would be illegal if that's the case. Yeah. I am so into church taxes. I, I work at a church, so I'm just, <laughs> I love when churches break the rules. I'm just like, tax them all. Tax, give me all their money. <laughs> yeah. When, when they lean into uh, riding the line, they ride the line pretty <laughs> uh, frequently. I mean, bi- hundreds of billions of dollars is just kind of excessive, especially considering that you're making other people pay for your charitable work. Yeah. I mean, we're talking j- just the level when, when that, w- when the whistleblower came out and filed that report, um, the, the level of cash on hand in that investment fund was similar to like Apple. Like that's how, that's how big it was. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that put them in the category of the richest church, I think, period. I mean, the Catholic Church has treasure and stuff, and that's hard to value. But Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no one knows how, how much. Is. Yeah, no one knows how much the Catholic Church has, because it's yeah. just all sitting in a vault in the Vatican that no one except the Pope is allowed to go into. Oh, exactly. I'm sure you can get an auditor at least to do the Vatican like museum. I recently went, actually, and I was disgusted at all the gold gilded walls. And I was like, what the fuck is it? People are starving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just imagine how much good you could do with that sort of stuff. Now, I mean, I don't want to just completely bash the Salt Lake City based church or the Catholic Church. They do a lot of good. The, the sure. I mean, the Salt Lake, the Salt Lake City based church does give uh, tens of millions of dollars for like, um, disaster relief they do good refugee mm. work they run some hospitals and things like that catholic church runs a bunch of hospitals and a yeah. bunch of schools so it's not like they are just sitting in their in their uh i don't know what you would call it ivory uh, god, towers god in towers counting their, their little money. ivory towers they're literal ivory towers <laughs> yeah the, the question yeah quite yeah quite literally <laughs> um the, the the question though is you know what more could they do when you think about the rich man who comes to jesus and and says hey, I'm keeping all the commandments. What do I need to do to get in heaven? And Jesus says, well, sell everything you have and help poor people. Mm -hmm. um, when you consider that context, uh, then then even the amount that is being done by the, by the Salt Lake City-based Mormon church and by the Catholic church is just not enough. I think a big Truly. part of it too is transparency. Um, yeah. Just because like if you're donating 10% of your income before taxes, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and yeah. if they're telling you, okay, we're doing stuff with this, we're making sure people get taken care of, you know, and then you look and it's like, okay, but like, a very tiny percent of that's being used for that it you know, feels a little disingenuous oh, that was a puppy. especially if you think you're giving away so much of your money to uh charity yeah yeah and and there are a lot of complaints too with the mormon church they they you know they will um teach a lot of their missionaries uh when the missionaries go out and knock on doors they will tell them oh you know they teach these missionaries you can tell people we're not one of those churches nobody in our church gets paid uh and it turns out that's also not correct <laughs> that um a lot of the a lot of the church administrative officials are they make uh over a hundred thousand dollars in in you know hard air quotes living stipends um for, not including apartments and stuff yeah they don't have to pay for correct mm. 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 well all that to say is that the lds church lds is that specifically salt lake yes yeah because yeah church of jesus christ of latter-day saints is is specifically the salt lake city based church mm -hmm. so so they have some pretty well, Mormonism in general has a pretty seedy beginning. <laughs> I listened to a whole podcast um, about this. The last podcast on the left, it was the most irreverent, gruesome. It was amazing. It was lovely. It was like, this guy was not only a pervert, he was a con artist. But anyways, how now that you're like on this as both of you, now that you're on this side of it all, how do you see the history and the present like, wh what does that feel like to you? Because I know you can logically like, yeah, this and this and then the progression of blah, 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 blah. But what does that like feel like? 
you're asking an economist to specify his feelings. This is <laughs> yes, this I know. I know what I'm want. asking. I know what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have led with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I I don't I don't know how I think how I think about how I feel about it. My my I mean my honest reaction, my feeling to it is like whatever. I mean, it's just shrug my shoulders. You know, I, 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 I am not going to stop anybody from doing what they want to do. Uh, it's it's not something that's illegal. Uh, so I don't really have, I I know there are a lot of, of ex Mormons, a lot of ex Christians uh, altogether who have a lot of religious trauma that, you know, things have happened that were, um, you know, pretty terrible, uh, at the hands of the church. And, and so they have a lot of really hard feelings toward the church and they interpret Mm -hmm. everything through the worst possible lens. And, and I think there's a lot of validity to that, especially with those experiences. Um, I, any of my experiences probably weren't as bad as some of those, um, but, but, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just never, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really care. I don't take it personally. Uh, so I, I don't, I, I, I don't, um, I'm, I'm still sort of willing to look at the church through an objective lens. Uh, mm. you know, I, I, there are, um, there's all sorts of different ways to interpret Joseph Smith, uh, and, and the things that happen there. There's usually what you hear is sort of the last podcast on the left, uh, angle where he's a con artist and he's a rapist and he groomed women to, you know, <laughs> yeah. women with from when they were small kids and things like that. Um, and, and the way the historical record is read, that's a possibility. Um, the other, you know, the other side you usually hears from the Salt Lake city based church, where you hear that Joe Smith was like the greatest man who's ever lived since Jesus Christ. And he did all these wonderful things. And, and, the way the historical record is read, that's also a possibility. And then there's all, there's an entire middle ground in between as well. Um, that really one of the big problems with like early Mormon history is that we have too much of it. Uh, when, <laughs> <Yeah>. you look, <laughs> when you look at like early Christian history, it's a massive, it, like it's a mass thing. If, if, if you're, you know, building a house in some, you know, somewhere in the Syria, Palestine area, if you're building a house and you start to dig, to dig the foundation, <laughs> and up comes this box that has some christian writings in it that's this that's an enormous thing because there's just not very much of it yeah and so there there's really sort of this authoritative understanding from historians about what early christianity was was like because there's so few writings with mormon with mormonism it's 200 ish years old and so it's not it's not that old so we have you know, we, we, we have like legal affidavits. We have people with their journal entries. We have um, minutes from meetings that are written down. We have, I mean, we have recorded sermons. I mean, not like tape recorded sermons, but like stenographer notes for sermons, sermons and things like that. We have all sorts of history. And so you get all sorts of perspectives from different people. Um, and, and so there, there are a bunch of different ways to read the historical record. I mean, you could, it is possible to read the historical record and, and really view Joseph Smith as a progressive icon. Um, and <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not kidding. It, I mean, it really in a is. lot of ways, he was yeah. very progressive. He was very unusual for the time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, you could be being progressive back then. was probably not that high of a bar. <laughs> he wouldn't be progressive today. <laughs> <laughs> But if you I, look at what happened after him, sure. he was downright progressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I would even say that uh, just the, the factual historical record, it is possible to say that for in, in the context of modern American Christianity, Joseph Smith would even still be considered a progressive Christian. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think that that's so, so there's, or I, I shouldn't say would be, I said, could be, that's one way yeah. to read the historical record. There's, like I said, there's a hundred different ways to read it, but um, there are, there are people who make some really valid historical arguments that Joseph Smith intended for women to have the priesthood, that he did give women the priesthood and that oh, that yeah. was a change, you know, I after mean, he women died. practiced the priesthood for a long time. Yeah. 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 And, and that, that, that change only happened after he died. Um, Long after and, he died. and there's, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and there's, you know, a lot of people focus on, on the, the polygamy, the plural wives, but there was also, um, well, I mean, even, even that is, it, it seems pretty, pretty likely that that's true, but there are some people, um, who make some fairly compelling arguments using this historical record that Joseph Smith didn't ever practice polygamy, that, uh, that all of his wives, plural wives were only spiritual ceilings and there was no actual like earthly relationship that it was just, you know, I, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's the case, but there's uh, Denver snuffer makes, he make he uses the historical record to make a pretty compelling argument that that's the case. Um, you know, I think the balance of the historical record is probably, probably true that Joseph Smith had multiple wives, but, uh, but you, you can make it. There's so much. Oh, yeah, history there's no proof. Either yeah, way. yeah, yeah, exactly. And the and way he are, practiced it was definitely different than the way it was practiced after him. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's like two different <laughs> forms of polygamy. Oh, One was closer to like polyamory with spiritual mm. rituals. Yeah. And, and the other, you know, the other part where you can read the historical record and, and, and say, Oh, Joseph Smith was really progressive is there were, it, you know, there's a lot of historical focus on the, on the plural wives, but a lot of what's overlooked is there were plural husbands as well. Yep. Um, there were women who were married to more than one mm. person. And in I fact, like that one. Yeah, they some, some of them. <laughs> well, I can imagine. <laughs> but some some of the um, some of what were considered at the time some of the like really terrible accusations that um, you know eventually built the bad blood and were, were what led to Joseph Smith dying. Some of those accusations were that women were having multiple husbands, um, and and you, you know another. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, there was even, there were even rumors that some of Joseph Smith's kids weren't Joseph Smith's because Emma Smith had multiple husbands. Um, mm -hmm. there, again, there, there's now I need to be clear. There's no, there's no proof of that, yes. right. but there are, there are rumors of that, um, from all the way back at the time when Joseph Smith was alive. Um, and so, you know, there's this, there's this way to look at Joseph Smith where, um, you know, he's, he's a guy who wanted to, you know, maybe he legitimately believed in, in what he was doing and, and believed in God. And he wanted to spread that to everybody, women included, um, you know, minorities included as well. A lot of something that's really glossed over a lot in Mormon history is the reason that they were kicked out of Missouri. The reason that there was an extermination order for Mormons in Missouri was because the Mormon church opposed slavery. They wanted to abolish slavery and they didn't want Missouri to be a slave state. And that's what started all that, all that fight, all those fighting. Yeah. Uh, all they had a of lot that of political fighting. power. Because in yeah. Missouri, they were their own like city government. Mm. So like Joseph Smith could try himself for crimes. I would just like <laughs> to point out that I asked Matt about. about his feelings and now we're talking about history. <laughs> he told you his feelings and they were 
All right. Well, what do you wanted to talk before about? Before we move on with the history, <laughs> Matthew, uh, Ryan, what are your feelings? How do you feel about it all? Similarly, um, I would be pissed, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't say similarly, um, but it's definitely complex because at the end of the day, I mean, it's not really people that are doing it. It's more of the whole system that's set up that's truly problematic. Like there's bad people from lots of religions. You have lots of stories like that on here. <laughs> um, like individuals lots. do terrible things to each other um, and they can abuse the power they have. Um, and to some extent, you can't control that. But to another extent, um, the way things are set up now uh, could be improved. How do you feel, Ryan? Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm at peace with it, you know? Ugh, how boring. I wanted you guys to be mad. But anyways, I, I guess you're <laughs> Being better Being mad's not me. good for you. <laughs> I know, but I like anger. Anger is my, <laughs> my best emotion. <laughs> I have the most practice at it. Well, okay. History time again for the two of you who avoid feelings. I want to know the history of baptizing children for the dead. <laughs> It comes up on my TikTok all the time, and I want to know if you guys know the history behind and why the fuck you do that. The why is a lot easier than the history. I yeah. I don't know much of the history. If I don't know if you know Matt, but um, so I I think the official Salt Lake City Church <laughs> line on the history is that when Joseph was Smith was studying the New Testament, so Paul the Apostle Paul actually writes about baptisms for the dead in the New Testament. And when Joseph Smith read that, he was like, wait, what is this? I don't understand. And so he went and asked God and was like, what is this baptisms for the dead? And that's when God was like, oh, you can't get into heaven without being baptized. But we're not the Catholic Church, so we don't damn everybody to hell who never had a chance to learn about Jesus. So even people who never had a chance to learn about Jesus can get to heaven, and we just have to baptize them vicariously for the dead. It, that's sort of the official church history behind it um, because it's so central to Joseph Smith and he didn't actually write anything specific down. That's, you know, that's really all we have. There's, there's not contemporaneous journal entries or anything like that about it. Um, as far, that, that, that I'm aware of um, the way that there is about so many other topics. Now, both of you participated in this little ritual, right? Yes, I did. Uh, how long does it take? <laughs> like, how long do you have to be there? I would imagine if it's a church event, like other church events, that it would be a long process <laughs> full of outfits and fanfare. Uh, well, I, I suppose um, the longest you have to be there is like five minutes for one single baptism. I, I, the, you know, the church loves it when people go to the temple and do stuff in the temple. So I suppose if somebody was like, I just want to do one, they wouldn't tell you no. Uh, <laughs> but it would be hard to get in there and out in five minutes. I mean, there's a lot yeah, of quiet walking yeah, around and quiet walking around. Yeah. You got to be quiet. Okay, but like walking around where? Like you just well, it's like way in the basement. So you just have to be quiet as soon as you get in there. Yeah, you can't be loud in there <laughs> because it's holy. Yeah. Okay, so you just like 
walk in with your hands clasped like you're praying and you just walk into the water and then get no, no, dunked? No, no, they got, they got to check your recommend, which means you have to have a recommend. So you got to go through that whole process. Okay, well, I don't know what a recommend is. Neither do the listeners. So anyone who wants to go to the Mormon temple has to have a temple recommend. And they're these little like grocery shopper cards that you get for the temple. Grocery shopper cards. <laughs> no, but it's just like a like little ID. Um, and it has to be approved by your bishop. So basically what you have to go and do is set up an interview time with your bishop and they go through and ask you all of the like, are you a good Mormon questions? And you have to be able to check all of them off. Um, to be able to go. So like if you're not paying all of your tithing or if you had a coffee last month or, you know, whatever they your, decide is not Your good. bishop is like your baby priest, the one that you confess things to, right? Yes, but I mean, it's also more than, it's more like a hybrid priest slash pastor. So they're like in charge of the meetings. Um, they're they're kind of just in charge of your whole little ward group. All right. So like two, three hundred people, and they do this all. Uh, yeah. So on like, top of their like jobs. pastors. Yeah. But, but with confessional. Well, uh, confessional is only for things that are bad enough, quote unquote. So there's like a list of things that are bad enough you have to confess to. Okay, and then so you get this temple recommend, and they say here's your little card, and then you can go to the temple whenever you so please. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like appointments, but yeah, for that you can go whenever. And that's how you get to you wear all white, right, or something like that. Uh, you don't have to wear all white to go inside, but then you dress into all white once you're there. Like to get baptized in. Oh yeah, you got to be baptized in all white. Down to dead the or undies. alive. <laughs> dead or alive. Down to the undies, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to find all white underwear. What? No, it's not. If you're a guy, yeah. You can, the tidy whiteies exist. No, they can't have like a gray band. Nothing. Uh, 100% white. Hmm. Yeah, gotta yeah, love that whitewashing. Oh, that's, they made a big deal about it for me. I don't underwear ever in my life, so I really don't know. <laughs> Matthew, well, if, Matthew, Matthew. If you uh, are older, you have garments, and those are all white, which are the special Mormon underwear everyone likes to talk about. Listen, I think we talked about in the last episode. <laughs> if it comes up again, maybe we'll talk about it. But I get too excited about these little magic underwear, okay? I get... You get more excited than anyone who wears them. It, they are <laughs> so funny to me, and they just look like a walking yeast infection. That's yeah. all I see when Some I see them. Some people have huge issues with that. It's <laughs> unsanitary and funny as heck. But They could use an upgrade. <laughs> Just a little more, you know, some modern materials, maybe some elastic. I, I think there's probably a lot in the Salt Lake City based church that could use a modern upgrade. Yeah. Like your pioneer trips, your little. Oh, the trek. Yeah. Did you go on one of those, Matt? I did. I did that before I was like a card carrying Mormon. Back when I was a super rebellious teen, my dad told me that if I went on one of those, he'd pay for my summer baseball thing, which was several hundred dollars. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll <laughs> go, run, go run around in the woods for three days and save a few hundred bucks for my, you know, all my baseball fees deal. So I did that. Um, but I was like that was, yeah, that was, like I said, that was before I was a card carrying member. So I was like the one who brought fireworks and like all that sort of stuff. <laughs> on it. I, I, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> he was the one making it fun. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> Another little Mormon question, Matt, were you a boy scout? 
No. Um, <gasps> I was, I, I mean, like every once in a while, it was like a church thing where like, if you showed up on like the Wednesday night things, they would do boy scouts, but I just all never went to those Wednesday night things. So I, Spent most of my time playing basketball instead. I had a theory that all little Mormon boys were Boy Scouts. Well, he was skipping out. He wasn't supposed to be doing that. Oh. Yeah. I'm yeah, sure people I gave were, you crap about it. If I were a good boy, then, yeah, I probably would have done Boy Scout <laughs> things. But I'd like to make things fun instead. That's true. Basketball does sound like more fun than Boy Scouts. This is why Mormons aren't really big into the sports a lot of the times. They get in the way of church. Yeah, the Christians are kind of the same way. I wasn't allowed to participate in sports because my parents didn't want to miss church. Mm. So now I'm fragile and weak, and I blame my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I have no muscle structure, even though it's a marching band, but whatever. Well. Back to the dead? Yes. So... Uh, you can stop me at any point, but basically, after you go in, they check, make sure everything's all good. Then they stick you in a room and give you a little spiel with like, for me, it was like 40, 50 other people. And they sit there and talk about how special it is and guilt trip you on being pure and reverent. And <laughs> lots of people have emotional breakdowns in those rooms. Oh, shit. I, not, not visible ones, but, you know. Just like their little eyes are all wide. Well, you have this place, basically, where you have to be, like, perfect to enter. And if you have, you know, lied at any point about it, or if you feel like you shouldn't be there or could be better, then you have all this, you know, okay, all this... Um, betrayal of God stuff. <laughs> yeah, despite despite the fact your bishop signed a thing saying that you were allowed to be there. Of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's just the guilt. Just, it's it's always just one there. last stab of guilt before you get in the water. <laughs> well, and a lot of times the people who are the best and like do essentially nothing are the people who feel the most guilty. You know, the further you go and the more dedicated you are, the more damaging it is. That's true. I don't feel guilty about anything anymore. It's yeah, that's the people true. who you've didn't got, care as much that got out with the, you know, less wounds. Yeah, you've got some of those super tender bubble Mormons that like, well, no, I didn't drink coffee, but I smelled it in the store. Oh yeah. no! I thought about drinking it and I wanted to. Not crime. <laughs> I've always just wanted to corrupt little Mormon missionaries by greeting them with a cup of coffee at the door. But, you know, my dad told me not to do that because it was mean, so I never did it. Well, the likelihood that you're going to meet a Mormon missionary who's ever even had a cup of coffee is, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't think of very many that have. Um, yeah. I really overestimate how good coffee smells because to me, it's just a downright addiction at this point. And to people who don't drink coffee, it probably smells disgusting for all I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, are, there are a lot of Mormons that I know who have never drank it who say that it smells good. My mom um, loves the smell. But, but uh, I, 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 I don't know that it would tempt them very much because they've never actually had a drink. And so they don't know how yeah. amazing coffee is. <laughs> Matt, are your parents still Mormon? Yes. Ooh, how do they feel about you now? I don't know. <laughs> they're fine with it. Um, they're nice. A lot of, so I, there are five kids in my family. My parents have five kids and, um, 
all of us like to be the ones that had fun. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, it, it's, um, yeah, they don't really try to lecture anymore, I guess. Are any of you left? My oldest sister is, um, mm. and, and I think my parents are still pretty pleased with me. Cause like, uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't have anything against the Mormon church, uh, in particular, I'm still, you know, in on good terms with it, I suppose. I don't know if that's the right, you know, we're still diplomatic. I guess that's the right way to put it. Uh, but, um, but yeah, the, my, my oldest sister, as far as I know is. Yeah. And the one kind of nice thing about the Mormon church is it's very, uh, open to redemption. <laughs> so even if you die, it's like, well, he could still, he could still figure it out later and it'll be fine. Oh yeah. The Christians are not open <laughs> to that level of redemption. Mm -mm. Yeah, no, that's true. I can't, there are a lot of times I've heard conversations among Mormons where they're like, Oh, well, uh, yeah, I guess when they die, we're just going to have to do their temple work for them so they can go to heaven. And like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in my opinion, and th that's a way better outlook than, well, I guess they're just going to burn in hell forever. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, that's a far, that's a far yeah. toxic outlook, but, uh, I just, it's just kind of funny that they're like, well, we can't convince them now, but man, we'll get them when they're dead. <laughs> and honestly, you know, if you show up and it's like, oh, well, the Mormons were right. Are you joining or are you going to get out of here? It's like, yeah. okay, well, <laughs> Yeah. Some parents still take it hard. Like your mom takes it very hard that you and your brother are no longer Mormon. Yeah, it's true. It's true. She like, yeah, there, there's, there's the, the, the Mormon church has its own distinct culture, the same way that so many American Christian mm. churches have their own distinct cultures. And in a lot of ways they intertwine. Like you, you go to a Mormon meeting, you're probably still going to hear about like the straight white middle-class Republican Jesus who has a pickup truck and owns a gun. Um, <laughs> Yep. But so like, there's still a lot of that, but one, you know, one of the knock on effects of the sort of the, the more encompassing redemption narrative that Mormons tell that, you know, death isn't the end and you can still be redeemed after death and make it to heaven, that sort of thing. Um, one of the knock on effects of that is, is, um, and actually, you know, it may not even be Mormon. It's in Mormons himself. I'm sure this happens in a lot of other Christian churches too, that, uh, people are like, people will get up and they'll preach completely a scripturally, no scriptures or doctrine mm -hmm. or anything involved. It's just all tradition. And they just, they get up and they preach and they say nonsense. Like if you are a righteous God fearing person, then all of your children will absolutely turn out perfect. And it's like, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so what I'm, what I'm hearing here is that, uh, that, you know, if, if you do exactly what God wants, let's set aside for a moment that we can even assume that you have the ability to know exactly what God wants, but let's assume you do. 
And if you do all of that, God will take away your children's ability to make their own choices and think for themselves. And then they will do exactly what not, well, not what God wants, exactly what the parents want. Ooh, yeah, that's just... what my dad says. He's like, I feel like I failed because my children are so <laughs> lost. And it was my job to save you guys. And I was like, what the fuck? I don't have any free will in this situation. Well, <laughs> and the great irony about all that, too, is Mormons think that Lucifer, like, is cast out of heaven because he didn't want anyone to have agency. Like that's the point of life (laughs) is your own free will to make mistakes. I love free will. It's true. I, yeah, every once in a while, um, I still hear somebody say this. And what's really interesting is like, um, the book of Mormon itself, it's, it's an interesting book. Like I, I, I would, for anybody who doesn't like have any trauma from like opening scriptures and that, like, if that, if that isn't a, a triggering effect for any listeners, go read the book of Mormon. It's an interesting book. Um, but what's real, the, the whole point of the book of Mormon is before Jerusalem's destroyed by Babylon, um, there's this dude named Lehi who comes, God comes to Lehi in a dream and he says, Babylon's going to destroy Jerusalem, get out. And so it's this guy and his family and a few other people and they leave and they wind up in what is probably the American, American continent, North or South America. There is via wooden submarines. Yeah. Yeah. By boats. Um, yeah. No, no. Under, uh, underwater vehicles they made out of wood with magic glowing right. stones. Yeah. So that would be, so that's a different part. That's a oh, completely sorry, sorry. different piece. Shut yeah, up, so Ryan. That, you don't even know. <laughs> it's been um, a while. Uh, but he's so, there. So, yeah, so, so that actually happened at the, during the tower, the tower of ba- Babel time mm-hmm. when the language was founded, there was a different group of people that built the submarines and went to what we think is North or South America. Um, side note, there is fascinating arguments between Mormons about where the book of Mormon may or may not have taken place. Um, but anyway, we think North or South America. Either is- way, it sounds like colonizers to me. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's, I mean, that's essentially really what it was. Um, so this is, so that story, the, the tower of Babel one that gets folded in toward the end of the book of Mormon when they, when they discover these people, but at the very beginning, this guy named Lehi takes his family and a few other people and they leave because Jerusalem's gonna get destroyed. So anyway, um, that's all just groundwork for saying that like the whole story of the book of Mormon, the entire story is that Nephi has two kids that are righteous and two kids that are not. And for the entire next thousand year history of the book of Mormon, you see, you have the people who are the, all of the descendants of the people who are righteous fighting wars against all of the descendants of the people who were not righteous. Um, and that's, that's the basic setup to the book of Mormon. And it's really interesting that like in, you still have Mormons say things like, well, if you're a good person, all of your kids will turn out great and they'll be good Mormons too. And it's like, well, what happened to Lehi then? How did you differentiate the righteous from the unrighteous? Um, how, how does the Mormon church or how do they in the book of Mormon? In the book of Mormon, like for the Um, beginning. So they, in the book of Mormon, in a few places, it talks about how they follow the law of Moses. Um, Mm -hmm. They are somewhat more enlightened. Um, 
Christianity wise than the, than the Jews in, in the Middle East are because, because of Lehi and, and because of, um, the, you know, the righteous son, who's the leader of the righteous people is named Nephi. Um, it's because of Lehi and Nephi and, and their sons, they have, you know, they have, they're like prophets, like Joseph Smith was, uh, supposed to have been. And, um, so they talked with God. So they knew more about Jesus coming than the people in Jerusalem did. Um, but weren't they cursed? So, yes. Um, so <laughs> there is, there is, um, so this is where, again, so th now again, I, this is where uh, I just want to, be very clear. I'm, I am not going to say what I think. I'm not saying whether the Book of Mormon is is true or whether it was something that was completely fabricated by Joseph Smith. Um, what I'm saying is that um, it, like either one of those options, is completely plausible. Um, so there are two ways to interpret this. There's the way that you know, take the Book of Mormon as fact. Or you could say, you know, it is possible that the Book of Mormon is true. If it is, then, you know, what does, you know, let's, let's do sort of scriptural criticism of it. So the Book of Mormon itself does say that the unrighteous people were cursed with dark skin. <laughs> um, it, it, it does. It absolutely <laughs> says that. There's no question. And that's um, not... It's not a big secret or anything that, yeah, that was something the guy after Joseph Smith, uh, who took over and, you know, they, he, <laughs> no more took everybody out of priesthood. <laughs> took, yeah. He took, took everybody out of Nauvoo and started into Salt Lake city and was like the first governor of Utah. Um, what's really interesting is Joseph Smith was perfectly fine with black people in the church, giving black people the priesthood. He wanted slavery to be abolished. Like he was, and he, he, that was, it. he, he honest, was, he wrote the whole Book of Mormon as a way to uh, try and convert the Native Americans. I mean, the whole preamble for it is this is for, you know, the Native Americans. And I really your just story. I just wanted you to say that on on the podcast that the Book of Mormon oh. said that. I just <laughs> oh, wanted yeah, you yeah, to say that. That's what the Book of Mormon says. That's yeah. definitely what the Book of Mormon the says. The Mormon but... Church agrees with it. Yeah, I know. Both. I just, I just yeah. like yeah. that little but fact. The guy, so the guy after Joseph Smith, um, Joseph Smith doesn't appear to have agreed with that, but the guy after Joseph Smith, 100% did. Um, he, he seemed there. Uh, uh, now this, there's, there's no way to confirm this. It's just the timeline here lines up really, really well. So Brigham Young, the guy after Joseph Smith, um, appears to have decided i shouldn't say appears to definitely decided that <laughs> black people should not have the priesthood and um should not be able to go to the temple and that you know were they were cursed with black sin about black skin that black skin was a curse of wickedness he definitely decided and started preaching that um and, it, and this is where it's unclear if it's related, but it's it's right around the same time that a, a, a freed slave marries a white girl in Salt Lake City, um, right about that same time. And it's fairly conspicuous. Um, and, and there are a lot of people who make a pretty valid argument that the reason Brigham Young decided to, you know, 
not have the church be progressive toward racial minorities the way that Joseph Smith was, was because he didn't want interracial marriage. Um, but back to the Book of Mormon, it definitely says that uh, that the dark skin is a curse for wickedness. Um, however, there's, there is um, Joseph Smith doesn't appear to have thought that this was um, like the God's honest truth, uh, because he was more than happy to baptize black people and give them the, the priesthood mm. and stuff. So, um, there, yeah, well, there it's is like a curse upon your you know lineage. It's not like they're that's true. Yeah, that's people. true. It's like baggage of old. You're I'm not just, justifying you're just it. Black but... now is the curse. You're black now. Yeah, that's that's true. The the curse of Ham and the curse of Cain and all that yeah. wonderful Christian nonsense um but so the there the way that it can be read in the book of mormon is that i forget which person it was it might have been nephi or it might have been one of nephi's um immediate immediate followers after he died who said that the 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 other group of people called the lamanites they got dark skin because they were wicked um it might have just been that they were wrong uh because one, one thing that is traditionally believed by Mormons is that all Native Americans are the descendants of these Book of Mormon people. Um, and the that Lamanites. just, yeah, the Lamanites. Not, not the um, Nephites. The bad not ones. the Nephites. The dark skinned Lamanites, the wicked yes. ones. All Native American peoples are descendants of that. Um, and that's just a traditional Mormon belief. I actually think it stems from even before the Mormon church existed, before Joseph Smith was even born, there was this belief um, among Christians that all Native Americans were like the lost 10 tribes of Israel. Um, and, and so that's where I think it stems where, I mean, if you ran, the, ran it all the way back to its roots, I think that's where it comes from. But there's still the traditional Mormon belief that's the case. But it's definitely not factually correct. We know that that's not <laughs> yeah. true. There were there are all sorts of you know there we we know that there were uh, Native American civilizations tens ten thousand years before any Book of Mormon civilization is said to have existed. So so there was the the other way to think about it is it is possible most Mormons don't believe this by the way what I'm about to say um, but it is possible that. The, the the Lehi and all of the people that came allegedly came from Jerusalem to probably North or South America again, probably because we don't know. Or Central America. Um, or Central America. Somewhere. That's, that's the know, leading one right now just because of the geography. First of all, yeah. don't fucking put Mexico in that position, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so anyway, uh, they, there's, you can read the Book of Mormon and definitely find clues in there that say that like there were already people here. There were already Native Americans and these, they came in and they, they sort of built their own society among the Native Americans and even adopted Native, like, you know, they were, they were good Christian people and, and preached the gospel to these native American people and, and all that sort of stuff. And so there's a way to read it where like the quote unquote curse is just like people who are not actually the Lamanites coming to fight them, but like they see, you know, there's these, there's these reasonably fair skinned, uh, Jewish descend people. And here comes this big army toward them to kill them. And it's a bunch of people with dark skin. And they're like, Oh my goodness, it's the cursed Lamanites. When in reality, it could just be like 
Native Americans that they pissed off somehow. You know, <laughs> like that's that's a that's a perfectly reasonable way to yeah. read the Book of Mormon. Uh, again, I don't I'm not saying that that's true. I don't know that it is, uh, but but like that's a possibility. And so this idea that Mormons have, I mean, still a lot of Mormons have this idea, just like a lot of Christians do, that like dark skin means they were cursed and were wicked, or their you know their ancestors were cursed and were wicked. I don't even I I, I there's a way you can read in the Book of Mormon that like the person who wrote that down is just wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Mormonism is so uniquely American. It's so like boisterous in its claims and it's so, I mean, I mean, it is a distinctly American. American. Yeah. But even yeah. going to like Temple Square in Salt Lake City, we have an aunt that lives there. So we love to visit her. They're very Mormon, but they're very nice. We very much like them. They let us drink beer in their house. So they're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> But I go to Temple Square and I'm and as a Mexican American young woman from multiple cultures, I think, wow, America. This is all so even like the the sculptures, everything is so like from an art standpoint, everything is so Americana. And like all these like claims that you're telling me is like, wow, yeah, it is really very American in spirit as well, isn't it? It's so oh, yeah. funny. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. Even like being on ex-Mormon TikTok. I love when people are like, I just don't believe that the church is true. And there's so much emphasis on the word true that it's like, yeah. it's such an important word, I guess, in Mormonism. True. Well, because that's that's how they get you initially is people tell you that it is true. In fact, yeah. so, yeah, so believe the, them. The big claim that Mormons make is that after so you know jesus christ started a church and then the apostle peter carried on that church and then apostles kept getting killed by you know the roman empire or by you know not just the roman empire there were several that were killed by they went to the middle east or they went mm -hmm. to africa or they went to india and 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 eventually they just all died and so there was no like church left and and um that's their claim uh, now, the very first pope was, I believe, Benedict. I'm not an expert on Catholic history, but he was like Peter's scribe or Peter's yeah, yeah, yeah. personal assistant. And and so what, what the Mormon church says basically is Jesus Christ started a church, one individual church. And um, that was his, you know, that was sort of the, the method to salvation, get on the bus, we're driving to heaven sort of thing. And, you know, Peter was supposed to carry that church on. Um, side, historical side note, it's not even clear that that was true, mm -hmm. but I'll get to that in a second. Um, anyway, uh, so the Catholic Church says, yes, of course, Peter carried it on, and it was with the very first pope. And that, and so the Catholic Church is still the same church Jesus started today, so it's the bus that's getting to heaven. Um, and the Mormon Church says, no, no, it wasn't. All of the apostles died, and the structure and organization, you know, the, the engine of the bus broke down and was sitting by the side of the road and that's why joseph smith was so important was because he fixed the bus and started driving it again so you can now now you can jump on this one bus that has the roadmap to get to heaven that's like the mormon claim and so that's why they focus so much on the word true is is like true in their sense means it is the only bus going to heaven well they're the only ones who can communicate with god 
Yeah, correct. Wow. I'm grateful to have grown up an evangelical Christian because they know that they were not from the beginning, that they were all branching off of branches of branches of branches. But I mean, they still think that they're the only ones that know what they're fucking talking about. So I guess it's not that different after all. <laughs> so they're all so they're all uniquely American. <laughs> I know. Fuck that. Yeah, we I our episode that came out today, I talked to my friend Maggie who converted after the fall of the Soviet Union. And I was like, wow, what an amazing time to convert to evangelicalism. And also makes sense, you know? No religion yeah. to the most charismatic religion yeah sounds about right you yeah. gotta make up for lost time oh. yeah <laughs> here i mean here here is where we could really transition and talking about the political aspects of religion the stuff that Ooh, i wrote my book on yeah uh, yeah because you go back to like the john birch society and like the mm. rise of evangelicalism and a lot of it started because oh there's all these godless communists trying to take mm. over our country and christianity is the only way to save it and democracy is the only way to save christianity mm. and and the irony is now you have all of these Christians saying, oh, there's all these godless liberals and these yeah. godless communists trying to take over our country. And Christianity is the only way to save our country. But we can't win democratically. So democracy yeah. is not what we want for our country anymore. And credit to where credit is due. The Mormon church is, or the LDS church, I should say, is doing a whole lot better than the evangelicals at the moment. You know, they're like, hey, should probably get vaccinated as a whole as a whole entity <laughs> yeah but a lot of that's because they had a lot of backfire from the whole prop eight mess that they hey i understand i understand that it's all a pr move i get it but i'll take it <laughs> well, like, if you want to open churches and if you want your yeah. members to not die <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah the mormon yeah. church knows what they're doing <laughs> yeah i mean that it, back in their history there's all i mean they love to say that the mormon church was persecuted and mormons were killed because they were righteous but in reality in 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 Missouri it was because they opposed slavery and yeah. they were you know they were a growing political faction who opposed slavery at a time when most people in that area of Missouri wanted Missouri to be a slave state and then in Illinois when that happened it was because they were polygamists and people didn't want polygamy yeah um but I mean, there, there's definitely a history, a Mormon history of like Mormons being killed. Um, and, and like, they're not perfectly innocent. Mormons did some killing too. There's no question about that. But, uh, but yeah, I think even now the Salt Lake city based church is very, uh, cognitive of this. Like, wait a minute, if there is a King and this King is somehow displeased with Mormonism, uh, we could be in trouble like we were 200 years ago. So they're, you know, they're fairly pragmatic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, again, it's, you could make the argument that it's God inspired. I cannot dispute that because that's a matter of faith. Um, <laughs> Anything's God inspired if you want it to be. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and, and maybe that's true. It, it could be true. If you believe um, it, it's true to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but it's definitely a, a pragmatic stance. And and so there, yeah, I, I give them credit. There's um, a lot of Mormons are not aware of how much effort the Mormon church puts into like tamping down the radical conservatism that exists in Utah. Oh, the, it's wild. The Mormon, yeah. The Mormon church, um, like they, uh, don't like the super extreme conservative um politics i don't i don't want to say politics but they don't like that that is sort of the i mean there was a so one of the mormon apostles a year or two ago 
maybe even more recently than that stood up and every six months, there's a Mormon, there's like this big Mormon conference where all these apostles more or less give their own, you know, they, they give these speeches that are um, supposed to be taken sort of as scripture. Mm. And one of, and one of them, his profession before he was a Mormon apostle was a constitutional scholar. And he gave up and basically gave a talk that said, it is okay to vote for Democrats. And in fact, God wants you to vote for whichever candidate has the highest moral integrity. And that will often mean you should vote for a Democrat. Fuck yeah. Lots of Mormons have bought into this whole Ronald Reagan Republican family value situation, right? Like they're still stuck on it. Hardcore. And I mean, they definitely lean more Republican in general, but they they really don't want to say Republicanism and Mormonism are the same. Because that's a dangerous route. Not anymore. Route. Not yeah, anymore. Not anymore. No, yeah. They, so there were Mormons who were more than happy to say that. Um, and oh, yeah. this this gets back to, I mean, same same time as the rise of evangelism. There were uh, a few really key Mormon figures. Um, Ezra Taft Benson eventually became the, became the like the leader of the Mormon Church. Um, and and another uh, there were there were several others. Um, Reuben Clark, I think, is the name of the other guy I'm thinking of. Um, those two would like when when other people would become apostles or become like high church officers, they would hand out John Birch Society tracks to them. They'd be like, "Hey, congratulations, <laughs> welcome to the club. Read this John Birch Society." And like, yeah. and yeah, and like Ezra Ezra Taft Benson was like he he is on record as saying things like the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King, and the whole Martin Luther King Jr. The whole civil rights movement is a communist ploy so the Soviet Union can take over the United States. Um, hmm, like he is familiar. on record. Yeah, exactly. He, like he's on record saying that sort of stuff. Um, and, and Reuben, Reuben Clark, who was, uh, also really high up and influential in the church at the time was like really anti-Semitic, like disgustingly <laughs> anti-Semitic. Um, he Sir, would, Jesus he, was a Jew. <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not a terribly pretty history. Um, and I actually think Reuben Clark was a little bit before Esther Taft Benson, but in the, in the eighties and nineties, full credit to the Salt Lake city based church right now, their leaders in the eighties and nineties, like literally started, I, I can't, I mean, shouldn't say literally, figuratively. Um, figuratively started like fights over basically saying the church should not be this radical conservative organization. It is not like, first of all, it's not factually correct when you say things like, you know, the Soviet union is inspiring the civil rights <laughs> movement. First, first of all, not factually correct, but second, <laughs> um, you know, if we if we ignore that part, you know the, the, uh, the you know it's also just not doctrinal. It's not Christian thinking, mm-hmm. and so there were credit to them. There were um, three guys who was who who all three of them eventually became like the leader of the church. One guy named Hunter, one guy named Hinckley, and one guy named Monson, who who would who would. Um, like they really didn't want the church to be this radical conservative organization. And so they were pushing, I don't want to say they're pushing progressivism because they weren't, No, no. Uh, but, but they but were more pushing centrism. Like, yeah, 
yeah, all exist yeah, together. It's religion, not politics. Yeah, exactly. They were pushing, you know, they were they were remembering the good old days when there were like liberal Republicans in New England, that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I love it all. I love religion. I love politics. I love bitching about it all. I love Mormons. I love it all. Thank you, Matt, for coming in. Make, helping me live my dreams, my little weird girl <laughs> dreams. Thank you, Ryan, for co-hosting. Uh, Matt, once again, where can the people find you? Uh, th the best place um, is probably Twitter. It's where I'm the most active. Uh, so the, the wonky Matt is my handle. Um, I also write a newsletter called The Constituent on Substack. So if you just go to Substack and look up The Constituent or just Google Substack Constituent, um, you can get me. I don't ask for any money. It's totally free. I just like to talk about you know, policy and economics and stuff in, in, in ways that, uh, in layman's you know, terms. Yeah, exactly. Get it out of the, the nerdy economics talk that are make it relatable. Economics. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cause a lot of this stuff does affect us, but you get lost in the weeds pretty quickly with a lot of the stuff made for economics or economics people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yep. And your book, exactly. tell them about your book. And my book. So it's called Jesus Wept. It's on Amazon. Um, I, it's, I, I wrote it for deconstructing Christians. I had a couple of friends who um, in, in about a week's time basically said um, more or less, you know, I, I, I'm sick of my parents, pastors, all, you know, whoever um, trying to talk about why I'm de deconstructing. I wish I could just hand them something and be like, here, this is why. Mm. And I was like, well, well, I used to be a minister. I, I am a researcher now. I could probably write something like that. So I did. Um, so it, it, yeah, it's, I, I, from what I've heard from my friends, it's, it was exactly what they were looking for. Uh, so it's, it's called Jesus wept. Um, yeah, check it out. Uh, hopefully I'd, I'd love to hear feedback from it. If you get, if it makes you angry, yell at me on Twitter. I'd love to hear it. Oh <laughs> yes. One of my people, Matt, that's you. We love it. We love the resources. Go buy it, hand it to your parents, say, don't talk to me anymore. Um, you can find, <laughs> you can find Ryan on my Instagram because he doesn't have i'm just kidding she's my social media manager yeah ryan doesn't <laughs> post on instagram very much it's like he doesn't exist but I'm it's busy. fine he okay first of all i'm busy too okay i don't appreciate that but accessible okay uh you can find us at speaking in church on instagram and you can find me at josie takes the world also spencer at spence rose all the baby content you could ever want. It is a true joy. We love our third co-host. She's the cutest. Anyways, friends, all that to say, stay woke or get woke, and Jesus loves you. Catch you next week. Bye. This has been an irreverent media podcast.